Hello everyone and welcome to another episode in the Shared Ireland podcast series. Today is Saturday the 18th of April and due to the COVID-19 social distancing measures in place across the island we are conducting this interview by phone. Today's guest is studying at Queen's University Belfast and hails from County Sligo. He set up and established the first Fine Gael youth group there. Welcome to the Shared Ireland podcast, Jude Perry. Thank you for having me. No problem, Jude. Um, under exceptional circumstances, um, you're currently in Sligo, is that right, Jude? I'm currently in Ballymo County, Sligo at the moment. Um, I've been here since I was, I was in America for uh, two months and I, I had to come back because of this situation. So I've been here for the past, um, actually, about a month now, um, everything up to it. And how are you and your family and I suppose wider society coping in County Sligo? Well, we're, we're, keeping, uh, we're keeping well, I suppose. We're, we're sticking to the, the guidelines and we're trying to keep our, our distance. Um, it's just myself and my mum and my dad and we, uh, there's plenty of parks around where I live so we can go walking there and, and we try and get our daily exercise. But we're just trying to um, take every day as it comes and keep to the, keep to the recommended guidelines. Yeah, yeah, tough times for everybody and um, something that certainly you or I have definitely never lived through before and hopefully never will again. But I guess this whole situation isn't just going to go away as quickly as probably society would like. No, definitely not. And I have an uncle who's actually a professor of public health in, um, in University College Cork and he's involved at running one of the uh, contact tracing centres in Cork. And, um, so it's I mean, it's definitely not going to go away in the immediate future. Maybe even before we have a vaccine, um, we might be able to go back go back to normal. But uh, I suppose there probably has to be a phased reopening of the of the of the economy and, and of the country, um, both Northern Ireland and the Republic, um, over the next couple of months. But how far they can open it, because the number one priority is ensuring that ensuring people's health um, and people's well-being is first and foremost so it's, it's how do you balance those things will be the challenge I suppose Absolutely um, I echo that certainly and and I think you're right um, a phased um, opening of the country again seems to be the, the general consensus at the moment um, because obviously if we all just went back to normal society then without doubt it would uh, re-emerge um, this, this whole thing Jude, okay, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get started here, sure. Um, for the benefit of, of our listeners, Jude, we always start by asking our guests to outline a little bit about your background, your early life, and uh, political thinking. So if you wouldn't mind just maybe giving us a wee, a wee um, background on, on your life so far, Jude. Kind of being very much involved 
Um, I suppose then I, I went to Queen's University when I finished uh, secondary school um, and I studied history and politics. Um, I was very interested and drawn to, to Northern Ireland, I suppose, because I felt that I could get an education that I couldn't get in the classroom. And when you go and study politics and history, um, two subjects which are so interlinked, I thought there'd be no better place to study that than in, than in Northern Ireland, where obviously politics um, <coughs> has such an impact on people. And, you know, people are fully aware and very entrenched in, in, in their historical um in, in the history of the, of the place as well. So that's why I was drawn to Northern Ireland and, and Belfast, aside from the, the beautiful scenery up there as well. So. And, and um, dare I ask, whereabouts you um, reside while you're studying in Queens? Are you one of the, the Holy Land Brigade, are you? No, I lived off the Lisbon Road. Uh, I lived off the Lisbon Road there for a year, um, which, which was nice. Lisbon Road is a very nice area. It is. Um, I wasn't too far from the Holy Land then another year, so... I've been, I've been around, I've definitely got to know the city and, you know, it's a lovely city because it's, it's small and it's navigable and uh, compared to Dublin, it's very easy to get around. It is. It's very affordable. It is indeed. It's a great student city. Yeah, definitely. Jude, as you mentioned there yourself, your father is John Perry, former TD for Sligo and North Leitrim and was Minister of State for Small Businesses. So um, I guess, given this background, you became politically aware at a very early age. I, I, I guess us all at times in society, Jude, whether it be on social media or um, having a pint with somebody in the pub, um, you know, we either talk about the weather, sport or politics. And it is very easy for us all at times to knock our politicians, regardless of what political party that they may hail from. But um, as you're only after saying there, um, with your own unique set of circumstances, growing up and living with your father, who was a public representative, um, you know you you have seen you have seen all sides of it, I guess. And um, you know, I think sometimes when we all come home from work at six o'clock, you know, that's it. The day is done. We can switch off. But being a um, a political family, I guess that's not really the case, is it? No, and I think I think 
always said that there's always a family behind um, behind the politician. Yeah. Um, there's always friends. There's always personal relationships. Um, and I think you know people should be more should be more cognizant of that. Yeah. Uh, I'd always be cognizant of it because I do think when people enter public service that they do enter with good intentions. Um, I don't think anyone. I believe this maybe naively that I don't think anyone enters us with the intention of, of, of going astray and I think um, people who are there to try and serve who elect them to try and you know advance um, the economic circumstances for their constituents and, and help them you know politics in Ireland more so than any other country is very localised you know you work on small issues whether that be um, you know individuals would have issues that and they would ring their TD or I also have an uncle who's a councillor as well actually so I'd be very involved with him he's a Finnegale councillor so I mean they're all kind of small issues that people will be working on that mightn't seem very large but to them it's, 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 it's important so you know you have to be cognizant of the effort that they put in mm-hmm, uh, certainly that you don't see do, do you think Jude um, that possibly the younger generation now are looking on political life as a career and what I, I mean by that is probably years ago, I'm approaching my 50th birthday very shortly. And, and I guess when I was growing up, you know, our politicians, you know, it was nearly inbred into them that, you know, that was going to be their, their career path. Uh, and they didn't look at it as a career path. But now the younger generation, do you think there is more of that aspect to pol- politics? Yeah, I think there is. You have a lot of young people um, getting elected. To, to the all and which is a very positive, uh, positive thing to see. But I, you know, I think as well that politics shouldn't necessarily be a career. Um, I think that before you go into politics, you should um, have get some form of experience outside of it, so you mm-hmm. can try and represent um, your constituents when you get elected. Yeah. You know, I think career politicians. I think the the era of career politicians is is actually declining. You know, I think a lot of people now are more educated. Um, there's less also family in politics. You know, years ago, if someone's father was a TD, the, the son would then become the TD. Or, yeah, there um, used to be a dynasty nearly. I think that's, that's declining now, and, you know, rightly so. Yeah. Um, I think that people are more, more educated going into politics. Um, but I do think that it, it, shouldn't, it shouldn't necessarily be viewed as a career. Yeah. Um, it should be viewed as, you know, how do I help the people that I'm trying to represent and if I can help them in that small way then I should then I should go into politics not really as a as a form of, of, of a career in my opinion yeah so tell me this was it an automatic choice for you to follow in the family footsteps by joining Fine Gael? now I know you said your mum would come from a more Fine Foyle background but your father obviously with his um, political career being in Fine Gael, or was there any other political party that may have garnered your interest? Well, I suppose aside from the, the family, um, of the obvious family connection, you know, I've been drawn to the party uh, in other ways. You know, their emphasis on, on being pro-business, to be a traditionally a party that would be pro-enterprise, um, you know, through the leaders like Gareth Fitzgerald, um, John Bruton, they'd all, they'd all be political figures that I would... Uh, associate with and that I would relate with. And um, just just on that, Jude, what did you find about them? Couple of characters that you only have to mention. What was it about I, them that inspired you? Yeah, well, I think you know, my, obviously, my family interest was the primary motivator, and that got me involved very young. I mean, I, I probably first canvassed someone when I was 
Um, and I was very young, but you know, I think also the the values of the party would have inspired me as well, like being pro enterprise, um, this kind of notion of a just society as well. You know, helping people um, to succeed and helping people to to get into better economic circumstances. They'd be teams. And Jude, do you feel that them values that you're only after explaining? There about um, do you feel as if that the party has um, has still got them values? Yeah, I do. I, I, I do. I think um, even though that there's record numbers of homeless people in the state, I, I think that you know when you have Radcliffe to be leader, you put an emphasis on people who want to get up early in the morning. But I think as well the party should should be a party that helps people who can't get up early, um, and there's so many people like that as well. Um, you know, I, I view it as a party that, that is pro-enterprise, that is pro-business, that wants to help people um, succeed. And from, I suppose, a shared Ireland point of view, a party that has always been engaged with the affairs of Northern Ireland and wanting to help the citizens in the north. Um, so, no, I, I, I do. I, I still do think that the party is, is associated with um, those values. But, of course, it transitions. Jude, tell, tell me this. Why do you think you were badly rejected in the last general election a couple of months ago then? So, so you are basically admitting that Fine Gael became out of touch with the electorate? I think they do, I do, yeah. I think they do. Okay, we'll touch on that later, Jude. Uh, oh, yeah. Going back, I guess, Jude, to why we are speaking to you today. Um, when did you set up the Young Fine Gael movement in Queens and why? But we already have an alliance party, you're aware of that? We do, yeah, but I, I think that Fine Gael is probably distinctly different to the, to the alliance party. I think that what we've seen, such as the Thomas Simon Coveney, and how he has stood up for um, and worked very hard in the absence of a power share government in Northern Ireland uh, to ensure the rights uh, of Northern Ireland in the Brexit negotiations, I think that um, Fine Gael would have been... Uh, offered a different option to young people and as well I think the more political options you can give to young people is is, is a positive thing uh, I think that is a sign of a healthy democracy um, and, that, and that's why I set up Young for the Way of Northern Ireland and it's been it's had a very good response there's been engagement from young people of a nationalist persuasion young people of a unionist persuasion um, which I found and equally and there's a growing number in Northern Ireland of people who identify as neither um, and they've become, they've become involved and engaged with the party and um, I think it's good to have an all-island uh, sense of politics and you know you guys are doing it with the Shared Ireland podcast as well trying to bring an all-island 
uh, dialogue to our to our politics, uh, and that's why I set it up. And I also think, you know, I'd like to see the branch pursue a number of objectives, and there's some things I'm passionate about. You know, for example, more Iraqis representatives from Northern Ireland. More, I'd like to see some Shannon seats given to Queen's University and the University of Ulster, uh, similar to Trinity and National University of Ireland panels. Um, and also, I'd get other issues like the high-speed rail link between Dublin and Belfast. Yeah, absolutely. Which might be a very important piece of infrastructure for for the island. Yeah, I I personally welcome any party that wants to establish themselves on an all-island basis. Um, that can only be good for all citizens, so um, I agree with you, certainly. How far across the island does your membership reach, um, Jude? And I'm talking here in regards to the Young Fine Gael movement in Queen's. What, you know, what counties have you got members from? Uh, we have members from Armagh, um, a few couple of members who live in Belfast, uh, a member from Derry, um, people from, you know, Donegal, in the Republic. Um, so it's a broad, it's a broad swing, really, mm-hmm. um, all over Northern Ireland, which is, very, which is very good to see. I was very heartened by it. But you know, it is a process. I mean, we only established in 2019. Yes. I'd like to see, like, a branch, perhaps, in Belfast, not a young Fregale branch, but a, a Finnegale branch. Yes. Um, and I think it's healthy to engage. You know, we also have the Finnegale Northern Ireland Engagement Group, which I'm a member of, and the Taoiseach founders, and we... We try and engage with different uh, civic groups in Northern Ireland, political parties. Uh, we went to Belfast a couple of months ago, uh, and we met different. We met uh, we went to the we met different groups in Northern Ireland of unionist and nationalist persuasions when we were up. Uh, went, went to the Housing Federation and, and we visited the Peace Walls. So I think we're just trying to to engage uh, first and foremost and see where that brings us then. Uh, have you um, received any interest from people within the unionist uh, community um, through your... We have. We have. Um, we have a member, uh, or two members from the unionist who, who would see themselves as unionist, which is, which is very interesting, you know, because I think in this, you know, when we look to a new island and, you know, when we look down the line as to what this island will look like in 20 or 30 years, you know, we have to be uh, cognizant that there are a million unionists on the island and how we can bring them into a sense of shared political discussion and that's what I that's what I when I still be up for the game hoped um, that, that it would be uh, where you can bring in people from nationalists and unionists and either and have a discussion about issues because I suppose issues that affect young people uh, whether it be in the Republic or Northern Ireland uh, are issues that affect both nationalists and unionists and if we can come together and come up with joint responses and joint initiatives um, I think that's a very healthy sign of a of a functioning democracy. Jude, tell me this. You, as one of the founders, obviously, of Young Fine Gael at Queen's, do you yeah. want to see a united Ireland? I do. I would like to see a united Ireland in, in, in my lifetime. Well, um, well, just to follow up from that, how does that sit with your couple of members from a unionist tradition that you currently say you have? Well, I think you, I think a lot of unionists, we have to first look at what a united Ireland is. Um, look like and I, I suppose unity isn't this abstract political um, theory I mean it's something that affects our lives it affects um, our economic prosperity uh, it's a discussion that we have to have and unionists have to be part of that discussion and I think the majority of unionists realise that um, and when we look to United Ireland we have to ask ourselves how do we foster a sense of 
political inclusion, um, you know, how do we advance social equality among both nationalists and unionists, um, and how do we set up a framework for a united Ireland? I'm, I'm, I'm curious. To, I'm, around the idea of a united Ireland, if they felt that their rights would be respected, if they felt that their sense of Britishness uh, could be maintained. And is this is this a conversation, Jude, that you debate or have within your own members in Queens? And I guess I'm I'm particularly interested, and I genuinely mean this. I am interested to hear your your feedback from your unionist friends when you try to explain what you're only after outlining to me there now? Mm-hmm. Yep, um, you know, it's been, it's been a healthy engagement with them. And they, they would agree, I mean, unionist people I would speak to um, would say that if they're looking to United Ireland, they'd like to see their Britishness respected this. And they fully, and you know, the Good Friday Agreement outlines that, that they have a right to be, to be British. Um, and they feel as much British as I feel Irish. But then we have to look at how, when we go down the road to a, to United Ireland, how do we respect those rights? But 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 Jude, I'm I'm just I'm just thinking here, which obviously these are statements that anybody with a keen interest in political life in Ireland will be aware of. But you've got the leader of the Ulster Unionist Party, Steve Aiken, you've got the leader of the DUP, Arlene Foster, and all our unionist members uh, saying that, you know, they will not have a conversation about a United Ireland um, for a host of different reasons. Um, the appetite isn't there. Um, they don't believe there'll be one in their lifetime. Arlene Foster even went as far a year or two to go to say if there was one, she would leave the country. So, you know, what, what, how do you encourage unionism as a community to engage in this conversation? I think, and as well, before you get to a point of unity, you have to, um, you have to make sure that the political structures in Northern Ireland are strong such as the, uh, the executive, I know, I, I think John Cushman, the former leader of the Alliance Party, who I know well, said that he would like to see 10 years of, of a functioning executive before we got to the point of, of a border poll. Um, and that's something that I would largely agree with. Um, and I recognise the points that Ari Foster has made and, and Steve Aiken, but they wouldn't be, with regards to what she said, leaving the country, you know, they wouldn't, I think that's not facing the reality of the situation. Um, I think there's no point putting your head in, in the sand and saying, well, you know, you know it's never going to happen or we can just ignore this conversation. If we ignore it, we go away. I don't think it is going away. Um, I think, you know, the next census in Northern Ireland, which I think is in 2021, will probably reflect a, a Catholic majority. Um, and I'm not one to advocate for census uh, politics by any means, but I, but I do think that we have to have the conversation. Um, and there's no point sticking your head in the sand. And the majority of unions I speak to, my in my generation, are willing to have that conversation because they're well educated. They're very cognizant of the fact that uh, an appetite, especially with Brexit, appetite for United Ireland is growing. The surge of Sinn Féin in the Republic um, could could possibly advance that. Um, so, and also the aging demographics of the voters of the DUP, um, you will see. Which, which could affect their voter base in years to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that young unions realise that and they're willing to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and any of those who I engage with uh, agree with me. And you could have something like a citizens' assembly, which worked very well in the Republic to deal with social issues. You could have something like that to engage with civic groups, business leaders, 
uh, of a unionist persuasion and say, how do we work this out here? Jude, uh, just, just on that point you brought up there, um, a citizens' assembly, I'm assuming you are aware of a civic group called the Ireland's Future. Yes, I am. And, yeah, and you know, they had a, a very successful initial launch in the Waterfront Hall about 18 months ago, um, where most political parties from across the island um, actually spoke at the event. But that's one of Ireland's Future's main calls is to is for the establishment of a citizens assembly but again you know there is a lot of um people within obviously the unionist community and may i say so even from the finnafoil finnegale government who are seem very very reluctant to do what most right thinking people would consider to be a pragmatic first step to have a citizens' assembly, as you rightfully pointed out yourself there, Jude, to talk and discuss each other and listen to each other's fears or concerns or aspirations. And um, would that not be the prudent thing to do? I would, I would think so. I think it's a, and I see in the, the new framework for government that's sitting in for the fall, um, part of, one of the part of the things is establishing a unit within the Department of Taoiseach to establish the issue of Irish unity. Um, and I'm sure they would probably be taking written submissions. So I probably, you know, I think a, a citizen's assembly would be very good because as we saw when it discussed issues such as the Eighth Amendment, which, which was a very contentious issue uh, in the Republic, when it did pass, it was still a contentious issue. People still feel very strongly about it. Um, you know, it brought in experts. Uh, they explained their side of it, the science behind it, the practicalities of it. Um, and I think you'd have the same thing for, for United Ireland. But I think, you know, United Ireland has to be at the end of that process. Yeah. I, mean, I know a lot of nationalists and Sinn Féin members who kind of want to board a poll nearly immediately. But I think that... I, I, think, their I think their position is in five years' time. In five, in five years. But I think five years may be, may be a bit ambitious. And you have to have a process before that, which includes something like a citizens' assembly, which includes um, laying out exactly what the United Ireland would look like. Because we saw Brexit, what Brexit was wasn't defined. People didn't know what they were voting for. Um, but people vote in the United Ireland. I think if there was a clear referendum, it should be on the same day in both the Republic and Northern Ireland. I think um, people should know exactly what this is what the United Ireland is going to look like. Um, but I think before we get to that point. I think, firstly, we have to know what Northern Ireland's position will be post-Brexit. That's very, very important. Um, I, I, and also that this government in Northern Ireland at the moment continues to function and dialogue between the parties in that executive uh, is healthy. I think, I think that's important before we get to the stage of a, of a border poll. Jude, you mentioned there in recent days, Fine Gael, Fine Foyle issued a statement about, and it was titled... A shared island yep. um, moving forward and I guess um, we in Shared Ireland are delighted to see that they've been listening to us and others in civic groups. Um, again, a sceptic could suggest Jude, that Fine Gael and Fine Foil, after seeing the overwhelming support for Sinn Féin um, are simply now paying I guess lip service to this conversation about a shared island and the reunification subject. How would you respond to that? No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't actually agree because I think, firstly, Sinn Féin's success in the election, I think people who voted for them weren't voting for them on the basis of the United Ireland. I think the vast majority of them 
were voting for them on that basis. Um, so I, I even think that, you know, this establishment of this unit wouldn't necessarily counteract the Sinn Féin vote in that sense. Um, secondly, I think that the parties have definitely been engaging. It's not exactly that the announcement of this shared, uh, shared, or the shared future, which is a part of the document, is, is kind of a novel concept. You know, I said that the Finnegan Northern Ireland Engagement Group, which has been founded since 2018, has been engaging with Northern, groups in Northern Ireland, political uh, politicians and individuals. Uh, the teacher has made numerous trips to Belfast. You know, I think the Tonista was nearly up there once every two weeks. Um, so I don't think that it's sort of paying lip service. I think it's a real concrete step forward. But but you 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 suggest there you suggest there Jude that you don't think that the reunification subject was foremost to the front of people's minds in the recent election where they clearly won the popular vote. But if you want to strip it back, the sole reason for Sinn Féin's existence is about the reunification of Ireland. It is, um, it is. But I think when you look at Sinn Féin uh, years ago, and you know, members of Sinn Féin might disagree with me on this, but they, um, they were probably more of a nationalist nationalist party uh, and now they've sort of progressed especially when in 2014 when there was the issue of the water charges and there was a lot of austerity in the country they became quite uh, anti-establishment and they became a lot more uh, populist you could say um, so I think they've kind of progressed from being a party with one policy and that is United Ireland into becoming a more of a left wing um, a left wing party on social but, but, but at the core of everything that they do um, you know, listening to their statements, as I'm sure you do as well, and I listen to all party statements, and I listen to the representative speak. You know, that that core message about an all island um, establishments, or you know, regardless of whether it's a police force, an all island police force, education, health, infrastructure, it's at the core message of everything that they say and do. Which is, some, which is something that you agree with them on that particular issue, yes? I would agree with them that I think there should be greater dialogue between Northern Ireland and the Republic and that the more closer cooperation, the better for the island. I mean, you look at the coronavirus, for example, um, it would make perfect sense that the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland operate a, uh, an approach um, in unison. Um, and also, when we come out of the coronavirus, that that um, process should be done together where both economies open at the same time. You know, we're one island, we have a seamless border, which and we're very thankful to, to have it and, to, and for it to stay there. But um, I, I think if we treat Northern Ireland and the Republic differently on issues such as Brexit and this public health situation at the moment, it's very challenging. Mm -hmm, certainly. Um, I'm just hoping here, Jude, that our listeners, the sound quality in this is okay. Because uh, as I say, you're in Sligo and, and I am yep. hundreds of miles away here. So hopefully that the sound quality is okay. Jude, in July 2000... Sorry. 
um, in July 2019, Queen's um, Young Fine Gael proposed a motion at the Gareth Fitzgerald Summer School that Young Fine Gael would support the party uh, contesting elections in the North. This motion was ultimately passed. What do you think Fine Gael um, could offer the people here in the North? Um, well, firstly, I think it's, you know, we've established a presence here. Um, I'd like to see, before we do run candidates in the North, to have, as I said, a Fine Gael branch in Belfast to create more of a structural presence. Um, but I think then, obviously, the next logical step is to... Um, is to run candidates. You know, I think the whole point of politics is representing people and trying to affect change. And I suppose the best means of doing that is is through elected uh, politics. And in terms of what we can what we can offer people, um, as I said, I, I identify as in Northern Ireland as a party that is not categorised by identity politics. It's a party that attracts people of nationalist, unionist, and neither. It's a party which is pro business and rewards people um, who are who are enterprising. Uh, we can talk about small businesses. I think that uh, Fine Gael has always been a party of small business. Small businesses are the backbone of the economy and the all-island economy. Um, you know, I also like to see it as a party that advances social justice, uh, social issues. It is at the forefront of social issues since they came to office in 2011 with marriage equality and, and the Eighth Amendment as well. Jude, you, you mentioned there in your response, ultimately, you would like to run candidates. Recently, we spoke to uh, a party colleague of yours, Neil Richmond, yeah. uh, in our podcast series. And Neil suggested that he couldn't see Fine Gael running candidates uh, anytime soon. And while Fine Gael would ultimately take some votes from other parties, but not enough to get any real traction. Um, I, I'm assuming you would disagree with Neil then on that particular answer? Honestly, if they ran in their first election, they may not get elected, but I suppose you have to start somewhere. Yeah. And the basis of me establishing a presence here and looking down the road at how, how this process will develop, I would like to see, uh, ultimately, um, Fine Gael running candidates. And that is the wish of Young Fine Gael as well. You know, we must remember that Young Fine Gael is an autonomous unit of the, of the senior party. We disagree on uh, various issues and continue to, um, which I think is, is very important. Um, well, I guess young, young, young Fine Gael or any young group for any party, they are the future of the party, ultimately. I, well, yes, they are. Tell me this, too. Especially in the Queen's branch, you know, we have some very good people. Um, and I mentioned them here, Conor McCardle, he's from Armagh, he studies law in, in Queen's, uh, a very good, great asset to the branch, and it will be a very good voice for politics in this island in the years to come. Um, and also Jake Kieran. Uh, he, was, he was in Brussels for, for a few months, but he's another great asset to the party as well uh, in Northern Ireland. So we do have some, some very smart young people who, who I would think would have a very bright future in elected politics if they wished. Mm-hmm. In your opinion, Jude, why has no major political party in the South done this before, and in particular Fine Gael? And do you think Fine Gael will actually ever follow through and stand in elections here, considering now that it has been ratified by the party? Um, why didn't they do it before? I think that it probably takes a bit of a leap. Um, I, I suppose I was in the circumstance where I was in Queen's, I was a member of the party and I decided to set it up. Um, I, I can't really speculate further. I, I think, you know, 
as well now more than ever there's a greater desire and hunger for middle ground parties um, parties like as you said the alliance they're growing um, and, and I think that's that, that gave a window to, to establish Senegal and as far as I can see them ever running um, I suppose I, I won't be a student for forever but I certainly would and as long as I'm a member of, of the party I, I would like to advocate for them to run mm-hmm. um, and I think I could as well. I mean, if the presence increases and more structures are set up, I, I, I could see the money. Okay. Just finally on this particular subject, Jude, would you also support Fine Gael taking their seats in Westminster if elected, bearing in mind the requirement to swear in an oath of allegiance to the British Queen? Uh, I, well, I would, personally speaking. Um, you know, we saw with Claire Hannah that uh, she didn't actually take, take an oath of allegiance. She, in other, in other means, and I think if they're if they're running, if they're elected, I would like to see them see them take their seat. Mm-hmm. Um, That's so, my view. yeah, yeah, no problem. I asked you earlier, um, you as an individual, you want to see a united Ireland. Um, what can Finnegale do to help contribute to this goal? Now, I'm not necessarily talking about their new proposal here with uh, Fina Foyle if they enter or establish this new coalition government um, with their um, shared island approach. But what can Fine Gael as an individual party do? And what can your leaders do to help bring about this goal? I think that we need to increase infrastructure on the island. I think that's the job for the government. As I said before, the rail link between Dublin and Belfast is a very important piece of infrastructure for bringing this island closer together. I think we need to increase the activities of the inter the North South Ministerial Council and it's very positive to see that as being reinstated now that the Northern Ireland Executive is back. Um, also the British Irish Parliamentary Assembly, another wing which does a brings does a lot of all island discussion uh, on politics and you know Anglo Irish improves Anglo Irish relations. I think that should be brought to the fore as well. Um, and they should also look at the issue of a of United Ireland. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's up for to all party members, all party leaders, I mean, you could have an all, an all around this dialogue on the issue where you bring all uh, leaders of, of the Dáil together to, to, to discuss this issue and leaders of Stormont, of course, it would be a challenge to, to bring the unionist leaders, but you could come, as I said before, a citizen assembly to try and engage with, with the unionist community. Um, you know, but I think it's up to individuals themselves to engage. Um, you have to view politics not as a zero-sum game but as one where you can reach positive outcomes through um, discussion in good faith. You know, at least that the person you're sitting across the table with um, fundamentally has the same interests as you, wants to see the best uh, for the people that they're representing. Um, I think you have to look at politics from a good faith point of view, mm-hmm. not from a zero-sum game, and, mm-hmm. and be positive about the political outlook. You know, young people in this island want to see a future where everyone has opportunities. Um, the challenges that we face require great solutions um, they require great leaders um, and I think that these solutions are not orange and green they're ones that affect everyone and I think that when people come to that realisation we'll be in a very healthy place mm-hmm. Just looking back to the most recent uh, general election in Southern Ireland a few months ago Jude there, there, there were, I think undoubtedly there was a clear message that came out of that and even you admitted to that yourself that that you know the public for a host of different reasons and obviously you and I 
uh, can't read people's minds why they didn't vote for a party or why they decided to vote for another party. But in trying to form a new government uh, in recent days, uh, Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil um, have decided to try and establish a government. Now, there are two numbers combined. They will still need another smaller party to help them make the numbers up. Isn't that correct? It is. It is. Yeah, I think between them they have 72 or 76 seats and it's an 80 for a majority. Yeah, but, but obviously an 80 majority or an 85, it wouldn't be what you would describe as a very stable government with a, with a massive majority. So um, I suppose that leads me on to, by refusing to go into government with Sinn Féin, which yeah. both parties have clearly stated, Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil, that they will not do. And given the fact that Sinn Féin did win the popular vote, is that not basically putting two fingers up to the electorate, in your opinion? No, well, you know, I think you have to remember that when you combine the vote of Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil, it's nearly 50%, and that's more than what Sinn Féin received. Uh, but if you, com- if you combined the vote of Sinn Féin and Fine Gael, it would be yeah. more than 50%. Or again, if you combined the vote of Sinn Féin and Fianna Fáil, it would be 50%. Yeah. So you could say that about any two parties, really. Yeah, you could. Yeah, you could. But, you know, I think that um, uh, Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil decided to come together and bring it into civil war politics as we know it. Uh, but, but, but should they have been doing that since 2016? And and the, and the homeless cri- the homeless crisis the homeless crisis did in Southern Ireland has only risen during that time. Yeah, but, but I think at this time, you know, Young Fine Gael had a meeting there last weekend, and they voted against going into coalition by uh, quite a big majority. I personally spoke in favour of it. Uh, I think this is a time when the country needs a stable leadership. Sorry, Jude, you spoke in favour of what again? I spoke. I spoke in favour of the, the coalition agreement. With with uh, who with Fianna Fáil? I did, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amongst, I mean, and I was one of the few. But I think that um, you know, I think that this is the time when the country needs uh, a stable government to bring us through whatever economic uh, upset will come out of this coronavirus situation. Um, in terms of Sinn Féin's electoral victory, you know, I think it's similar to Brexit in that you know the European Union and Brexit also has to look at itself and ask. Why, why do people vote for Brexit? What can we do? Um, how are we leaving people behind? How do we engage with these people? Um, I think equally we should say, you know, I think that Fine Gael and the two parties need to ask themselves, why did, um, why did people vote for Sinn Féin? You know, have a realisation that we're obviously leaving people behind, that there's people who feel disenfranchised with the political system. That's very clear. Um, I think that, that, needs to, that process needs to happen. So, 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 so you are saying quite clearly here now that that by forming a new government, uh, Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil and another smaller party, that by doing that, you are listening to the people how they voted a few short months ago. Um, I think Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil are very aligned on issues, more so than 
for the game of Sinn Féin um, and they'd probably find it easier to form a coalition government and they'd also probably find it easier to form one that would last you know I think if a Sinn Féin government with Sinn Féin for example there'd be a lot of uh, varying opinions on economic issues and, and otherwise um, and it might ne- not necessarily last which you know a short term government um, wouldn't be good for the country you know we saw confidence in supply uh, we had a doll that was essentially paralysed for a lot of the parties because they couldn't pass, you know, meaningful legislation because I suppose they're always looking over their shoulder at Fianna Fáil or independence. But I suppose if you have a strong coalition government with two parties that are relatively aligned on issues, they may actually be able to implement change or implement and implement policies. But on the point of Sinn Féin's election, I was saying that, you know, the, the establishment parties, um, I think, have to, have to ask themselves, you know, what can we do to, to engage with vast portions of the electorate um, that they clearly lost since, since 2011? Tell me this, Jude. I'm going to skip forward here 10 years and um, that's given you a good amount of time to become leader of Fine Gael, okay? <laughs> so, you are now leader of Fine Gael for this next question. So, today, would you enter into talks with Sinn Féin as Jude Perry if you were leader of Fine Gael? No, no, if you were the leader now. Oh, if I, if I were the leader now. I, I, would, I would talk to any leader of any party and see what proposals they put forward. And if they're thinking and don't suit the proposals of, of the party that I'm leading, then I wouldn't think we'd be adaptable. But, but, but you would be open to the, the conversation? And, and have, have you have you expressed your personal opinion? Yeah. Have have you expressed that personal opinion to your leader, Leo um, Jude? Uh, no, I, I haven't personally. No. Oh, okay. Okay, moving on, Jude. During the general election campaign uh, in the south um, a couple of months ago, you were caught up in a little bit of controversy yourself. You and I believe. Your mother, Marie, um, were temporarily suspended from Fine Gael with allegations you helped financially towards your father's independent campaign to become a TD. So I guess, first of all, Jude, if you don't mind, could you maybe explain to our listeners in your own words what happened and ultimately if it has been successfully resolved to your satisfaction? Yeah, well, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't like to really dwell on this issue, but um, I suppose there was a my membership of the party was temporarily um, revoked um, unfairly uh, at that stage. It was an unpleasant experience when it happened, um, but I'm glad that the you know the party leadership and the Taoiseach um, and the Taoiseachs thought to have it uh, resolved. Um, could you give us a I little? Could you give give us a little bit of back I, background, I Jude, if you don't mind? Hmm? Could you give us a little bit of background to um, well, what happened? Very, um, my dad was running as an independent and they had, I was in a way in America so I wasn't actually engaged with the campaign but um, they had thought that I was engaged with the campaign or I'm not sure so I can't actually speculate to what they were thinking but um, my membership was revoked by who I'm not exactly sure about by the by headquarters but who acted to have it revoked I'm not exactly sure um, but it was since resolved uh, which I'm grateful for and, you know I think there was a public outcry and I received a lot of support from the members of the party, um, councillors and TDs, and, uh, and also, you know, people from across the political spectrum, 
Tell me this, Jude, if you don't mind. And again, I appreciate this is a, a, a very personal issue to you. And it's not the reason why we've brought you on here today. But, um, you know, when, when you found out, how did you find out that you were suspended? I'm assuming you would have had to face an internal party um, disciplinary board or something for them to put... Yeah, that's A text message yes. saying that you were suspended as a party member. Yes. But surely that's I mean, not a. I mean, it's you know, it's raised issues of um, how you know how how these things work internally. And how long ago was this, Jude, that you received this text message? Listen, I'm not trying to dig out your party here. Trust me, I'm not. But just a question jumped into my mind here is that's that's surely not how a democratic political party works, is it? Well, I don't believe it should be how um, any organisation works, personally. You know, any professional organisation, I I wouldn't like to see it work. I think there is ways that these things should be carried out. But but ultimately, it is is how Fine Gael treated you. I'm just thinking if I personally was involved in the leadership level of any political party and I seen one of our young members, namely being yourself in this case, actually going out of your way to set up and establish um, a young group in a university I was attending, I would have thought I would have been bent over backwards to encourage and help and support that member, not sending them a text message saying that they're suspended from the party. Just... But, but finally, and, and again, I don't want to dwell, but you, you do, uh, I, I guess, admit that the party leadership ultimately must have taken this decision, yes? Well, no, I, no, I wouldn't say the party leadership in terms of the elected leadership uh, didn't take that decision. I mean, it would have been individuals who run the party from headquarters, yeah. not... Yeah, not, uh, yes, understood. Or Simon, Certainly, that. yes, I get that point. Tell me this, just uh, again, what impact did this affair have on you personally and, I suppose, on your family? Well, it was a pleasant experience. Um, I've been involved in the party since since I could walk, nearly. Um, I suppose it was a shock uh, after the work I was put in. Um, yeah, it was definitely a pleasant experience, but I suppose you learn from it. You have to learn from everything. Um, you know, you have to accept faith. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, no problem. Jude, we're 50, approaching 52 minutes in here. So um, we normally try to tail off our podcast in around the hour mark. So I'm going to finish up with um, a different, a few different, slightly more lighthearted questions here. Um, which actor would you choose to play yourself in your life's movie and why? Brad, Brad Pitt or George Clooney, no doubt. <laughs> well, no, I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say Jude Law, maybe. Uh, <laughs> why, why Jude Law? Is it, it's, surely it's not because it's a Jude thing, is it? <laughs> or Bradley Cooper, actually. Maybe. No, Bradley Cooper. Oh, Bradley Cooper, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, no explanation needed. <laughs> Yes, okay. <laughs> so tell me this, paint me a picture of Ireland in 10 years' time, please. Take a picture of Ireland in 10 years. Um, when, when you are leader of Fine Gael, of course. Well, I, I don't know about that, but um, you know, in 10 years, I'd like to see an island which um, there's a, you know, in this island we have, we do have a division between rich and poor. We do have people who do very well, and we also have people who struggle. Um, people who can't go to university and achieve education and then there are other places where there is uh, institutional inequalities which is which is a real shame and in 10 years I would like to see it as a more fair place economically a uh, place where everyone um, can achieve an education if they want to if they work hard um, also you know in terms of our island when we put the island together uh, I'd like to see a joint a joint economy we might be at the stage of the United Ireland yes, and I don't think we will be in 10 years, but I'd like to see closer cooperation, um, you know, closer dialogue between these two, uh, between the Northern, between Northern Ireland and the Republic. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's how I would like to see this island in 10 years' time. Oh, honestly. Fair place, more socially just place. Yeah. Um, that works better together. I was kidding with you there um, about being leader of Fine Gael in 10 years, but on a serious note, do you see yourself having a career in politics, Jude? Well, I, I don't really know. You know I, don't, I don't like to I don't rule anything out. Um, I don't like to rule anything in. You know, I, don't like politics. I don't like politics to define me either. Um, and I'd like to kind of have a career and have a life and enjoy life experiences before I, I consider that. Um, before I consider that, and I know it's definitely something I'll consider, but I haven't really made up my mind on that, for being honest. Okay. Jude, what's your favourite food? Uh, my favourite food is, uh, I like curry. You, you like curry? I do, yeah, yeah. Water or alcohol, Jude? Uh, water. Favourite spot in Ireland and why? No, no bias there. <laughs> uh, your most embarrassing moment in life to date, Jude? Uh, well, I'm, I sort of have clumsy dispositions, so I tend to like drop things and kind of bump into things. And, and so uh, I, don't, I think I let all my food fall in school one time for double school, which was probably embarrassing at the time. Yes. What makes you happy, Jude?
What makes you sad, Jude? And finally, we always ask the same question to everybody, Jude. If you could invite three people to your fictional dinner party, who would them three people be and why? Uh, I'd probably go John Hughes because he's had such an impact. You know, he talked about how he could have a non-violent um, nationalism, moderate nationalist. Um, I'd also go with... I like, I'm a fan of President Bill Clinton. Um, I think he's a very good advocate. Rhetorically, even though he speaks... He's very brilliant, um, a smart man. I would like to learn from him and hear his and why he became involved in North and Northern Ireland peace process. Jude, before uh, you bef- be, before you give me your third answer, Jude, if you don't mind, I'm going to try and save you a little bit of po- potential um, stick here. You better include a female in this. <laughs> oh, okay, of course, of course. Um, I would probably say Sinead Power. Very good. Three very interesting guests, and um, it's um, it's a dinner that I wouldn't mind get crashing myself at. Yeah. Very good. Jude, on that note, um, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you Thank today. You very much. I I sorry, I couldn't join you in person, but no, no. Well, we'll we'll definitely get around to that in the future, no doubt. And you've been very open and honest uh, in your um, answers, Jude, and you expanded even on your personal life there, which um, I know I and our listeners will will appreciate that. So, um, as you say, we'll hopefully catch up in person uh, down the line and we'll have a more in-depth conversation. Thank you very much and take care of yourself and your family as well. Can can I just um, use this opportunity and uh, just... A general message to stay safe, everyone. Keep practicing social distancing and it can help your life and ultimately it will help others. And finally, the Shared Ireland team would like to take this opportunity to thank all our frontline members of society in these testing times and in particular to two members of the Shared Ireland team who are working every day to serve their community. Okay, folks, hope you enjoyed. Um, the conversation today with Jude Perry. If you did so, um, a comment, a retweet and a like would be appreciated. Be safe, everyone. Uh, Take care. Bye-bye.